Take your Bible tonight and turn to the book of 1 John. For just a few minutes, we'll be in the book of 1 John. And I do believe that uh, this will be a multi-week thought out of 1 John. I had first intended to try to get all of this in tonight, but uh, the more we dove in and the bigger it got, the more weeks I see here us just spending some time really taking this last part of John, 1 John chapter 5, is where we'll be. Let me read the first four verses of 1 John chapter 5, and then we're going to, for the sake of time, we'll go all the way to verse 13. Uh, but this is verse number 1 of 1 John chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. amen. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Go to verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Verse 18 says, We know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness, and we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And he closes it with little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Tonight I want to begin a series on confident Christianity. Confident Christianity, let's pray. Holy Father, again, in Jesus' name, we come back into your presence. And God, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to be together as a church family. Lord, we thank you for the singing that we've already heard. God, for being able to participate in prayer. God, to hear the encouraging words of other brothers and sisters. God, the fellowship, the time that we've had. Lord, we're thankful for it. And God, I pray now for just a few minutes you would fix our eyes and our hearts and our minds on the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. 
Lord, there is nothing I have to give of myself to these precious dear people. But Lord, if you'll be merciful and kind one more time and give us the words to say, God, give us the tone and the inflection. And God, keep words out of our mouth we're not supposed to say and put the words in our mouth we are to say. Then Lord, we'll give you all the praise, all the glory and all the honor. It's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. Being an authentic follower of the Lord Jesus Christ really does mean something. It means something to be in the faith. It means something to be a Bible believer. No doubt the word Christian has been taken and abused and you can find many people who are truly not followers of Jesus Christ but claim to be Christians. There are many who teach and preach a false gospel in the name of Jesus Christ and they may even be convinced of themselves that they are Christians but according to the word of God, they are not in the faith. It really does mean something for you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not just a religious term. It's not just a social media identifier to put at the top of your profile with a little fish emoji and John 3.16. It is so much more to be truly in the faith on your way to heaven with your eternity secure. It means something, and praise God that it does mean something. I'm thankful that we're not part of a fake, false, dead religion that means absolutely nothing. I'm not being ugly, I'm not being harsh, but ladies and gentlemen, with all the love in my heart, at the end of the day, it means absolutely nothing to be a Muslim. It means nothing. When time and eternity is all settled, it means nothing to be a Buddhist. It means nothing to be a humanist. It means nothing to be a new ager. It means nothing to be a Mormon. It means nothing to be anything but a Christian. Truly in the faith and on your way to heaven. And if tonight that's who you are, if you're a born again Christian, you're a Bible believer, you're in the faith and you're on, the way, on your way to heaven and you have absolute confidence, then that really truly means something. It has value and the value is not in me. The value is not in the size church I attend. The value of my identity in Christ is not even how much money I'm able to tithe or how much money I'm able to give in good Christian charity and love. What it means to be a Christian and the reason that it has value is because who brings value to our faith? There's a reason that you can live in this day, in this hour. We've talked about it a lot as of late, but in this present world, as we talked about in Titus a lot, you can live in this present world and what it's becoming and still be a Christian and know that it means something to be a Christian. Here's what the world's plan and their long play is, and it's coming for you, your family, your children, and their children if the Lord tarries. The plan of Satan, the plan of the enemy, the plan of the world is to make it so abstract to be a Christian that nobody knows what it means and that people become confused and that when you say even Bible believer that you're tagged with some sort of radical far right wing uh, crazy nut that probably deserves to be locked up. That's the long play. There is a separation that's happening. And so it's important that you understand that it really does mean something to be a Christian. If you're on your way to heaven, you're in the faith tonight, you're not ashamed of it, say amen. amen. So tonight, I want us to look at these verses from uh, 1 John, and the, especially these last few verses 
in the last chapter of 1 John. And here's how I want us to look at it. This is what God did in my heart this week as I read this. I want you to look at this portion of the letter and I want you to see it as a contract. I want you to see this as binding legal language. I want you to see this as something that cannot be breached. I want you to see this as something that was written by someone who makes no error, written by someone who makes no mistake, written by someone who knew exactly what every word would mean and with intention and with purpose put those words together and wholly, divinely inspired that writer to write exactly what needed to be written, canonized for us for thousands of years now that we've had access to the word of God. And now you have in front of you as a Christian, all of those people who said, I'm in the faith, I'm on my way to heaven. I have before you your legal binding contract as it pertains to the benefits package that has been divinely and sovereignly assigned to you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing anyone on this earth can do to remove you from the binding contract that's in front of you. And because of the language and because of the attitude and because of the tone and because of the content of every word, this is the most powerful, wonderful, pleasant, life-changing, life-altering contract, if you will, that you've ever read in your entire life. This is the benefits structured package of being a Christian. This is your benefits package. This is what it means to be in the faith. And it's how you can live in this crazy, maddening, confusing world and still be confident about who you are in Christ. At the end of the day, your greatest identity, your greatest purpose is not that of a mother or a father. Your greatest identity and purpose is not as a, as a conservative, pol politically leaning person that loves America. Those are wonderful things. Uh, you and I probably would agree on a lot of that. Uh, but at the end of the day, the most important, valuable, tangible thing you have is that of being a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no amount of money that could replace what it really means to be in the faith. Does anybody else believe that this, this evening? There's no greater reward. There's no greater package, no greater benefit. And if we were to be in breach of contract, and if somehow God had messed up on his contract, and we wound up in court and we had to prove that this is what was said and this is what we were guaranteed. This is what we would take to court. Thank God, though, that you serve a God that cannot tell a lie. Thank God you have a Bible tonight that's in error, infallible, holy, and inspired and still relevant in 2023. But for the next few weeks, we're going to see what it means to be confident in our Christianity, confident in our faith. And if you don't understand this, here's my desire. God's helped me over the last few weeks with this. Uh, my desire on the opportunities that we have to preach behind this pulpit is not for you to understand everything in its entirety. That is impossible. It is impossible, Brother Ken, for me to take 1 John if I was to spend the rest of my life Preaching first John only, it would not even begin to scratch the surface 
of the depth of the text. We are always growing in the grace of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and we're always hungering for more truth. Uh, my poppy is one of the greatest examples I've ever had in my life. Our founding pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton Sr. I talk about him all the time. I, I wanna keep him alive. I wanna honor the heritage. I wanna honor the man who loved God. But the, the most uh, fundamentally life-altering thing that I ever experienced with that man's life is in the last few hours by the witness of our own family that he could not put down his Bible. He's 80 plus years old. He's hours away, hours away from eternity and he knows so. Yet he can't put down his King James Bible. And, and the family says, Poppy, why are you doing this? Uh, can we just spend some time together once you rest? And, and Poppy would say, no, give me my glasses. I need to know more about my Savior. I've got to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most holy men I've ever met, full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, preached faithfully for decades. And yet there was a lingering hunger for more about the Lord Jesus. That's what we're talking about. And so in our studies together, never be satisfied with what you get out of the pulpit. If you're living off of pulpit preaching only, you're in a sad spiritual state. You're emaciated, you're malnourished, and you're never going to grow. You're going to keep coming back here and getting a little sip of milk. And then when meat is offered, you're going to choke on it. You have to go after it for yourself. You have to grow in the grace and the knowledge and ask the Lord to show you for yourself. God is no respecter of persons and there's nothing within scripture that I understand that you can understand as a believer. Praise the Lord for that. So there are, there are five aspects over the next few weeks that we're gonna look at tonight. This is where the Lord took my heart immediately. But I want us to be confident in five different aspects of life. Number one tonight is what we'll cover. We may get to number two, depending on time. But we can be confident as Christians of eternal life in Christ. You can be absolutely confident, absolutely certain of a few things that pertain to eternal life. Number one is you must understand, you must remember, you must absolutely come to terms with this fact. That every single person under the sound of my voice, every single person that is watching this 15 years later on YouTube in the archive, every single person that's hearing the words come out of my mouth will spend an eternity somewhere. There are two places that one can spend eternity. One is in heaven full of bliss and joy and glory and it's in the presence of God and Jesus Christ the Son and the faithful witness of saints who constantly day and night for all of eternity will stand around the throne and sing the praises of our almighty holy God. And here's the good news, I get to go. And then the other is a place that the Bible calls hell. It is a place of eternal judgment and wrath and punishment. Here's the sad, sad truth about hell is all of the hell that I ever had to experience, all of the wrath and the judgment of God that I ever had to experience because of my sin debt to God that I could not pay. The moment that Jesus became anathema, the curse, sin on the cross, and the whole world was encompassed in darkness for three hours. All of that darkness meant one thing, that God the Father was pouring out all the wrath and all the judgment and all the hell and all the torment on his own son on my behalf. And the truth is, God's heart would be that every man would believe, that every man 
would be saved. And here we are tonight, those in the faith. And you have the blessing and you have the privilege of confidence in what life's end really means. You do not have to live your life in fear of death if you are a new creature alive in Christ. Let me say it again. You do not have to fear death in this life if you are spiritually a new man alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you are a lost person and you're undone and and you're not saved, then the prospect of death is terrifying. There's an old song It says this, I've even heard the Rochester sing it before. It asks the question, are you afraid to die? Well, of course I'm afraid of the prospect of the death process. I don't want to hurt. Nobody wants to get old and wither away and be in pain and die. But I'm going to tell you something. The 11 years I spent in emergency medicine before ministry taught me this. There are people who die well and there are people who die a terrible death into eternity. So often you'd go to one of the nursing homes, especially on the south end of Asheville, and I'd walk in and there'd be a a call for heart problems for a 96-year-old lady. Well, she's 96. I know what's wrong with her. Of course she's having heart problems. She's 96. And the call, they would call 911. They'd call the paramedics. We'd walk in. And and oftentimes there was a, a real reason that they needed to go to the emergency room and see a physician and we would take them And I remember one time in particular, it was a 94-year-old lady, and it was like walking into a scene of the Andy Griffith show. I walked into her little room, and she had decorated it perfectly. There were all these little knitted things and things that grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-grandchildren had given her. And there on her little bedside table next to her black coffee was a black-backed 1611 King James Bible. And she had the cutest little blue bonnet on her head and it was cinched down like it was four degrees in the room. And and this little lady was in no distress. Her skin was warm. It didn't seem to me, Brother Keith, that that I even needed to put her on a cardiac monitor. I feel like it would be too intrusive to this kind little lady. And I said, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, honey, they think I need to go to the hospital. Won't you just load me up and take me on so I can come back? I've got things to do. And I said, I like this woman. And so we put her on the stretcher. We're going to Mission Hospital. And I did put her on at least a four lead and took her blood pressure and just talked to her. And Brother Keith, I'll never forget. We got about five minutes away from the nursing home from picking her up. And I looked on the cardiac monitor. And I noticed where a sinus rhythm was now turning into AFib and her rate was going lower and lower. And when she was taking those really deep breaths and making this cute little sigh as we're going to the hospital, and she grabbed my hand and she said, oh, I I think this might be it. And I said, you think it might be what? She said, son, this is my going home time. And I, I'm going, well, well, well honey, you're fine. The, the blood pressure's okay. Your heart rate's a little different, but that's okay. No need to say that. Here's what I need to say about that moment in time in my life is that I wasn't necessarily right with God. But I had run into an old saint of God who had kept the faith and who was getting ready to finish well. 
in her little blue bonnet on top of her cute little head, she got a, an advisory from the Holy Ghost of God that the chilly Jordan waters were just ahead. And she said, oh, would you just hold my hand and maybe hum a little tune? I thought, oh, my Lord. God, surely you're not asking me to do this. Oh, Lord, of all the people in the world to pick up this saint of God, you want me, this old scoundrel, to be the last face this woman's going to see this side of eternity. The best I knew how, I took her little hand, I put it in my gloved hand, then I took my glove off. I wanted her to feel me. And to the best of my ability, as a backslidden son of a preacher and a missionary who knew better and who God had called to preach, I hummed Amazing Grace to the best of my ability. We took that turn from Sweeten Creek Road right on the mission, towards Mission Hospital on Biltmore Avenue. She took her last breaths in this life and she died well. There is a benefit to being saved and there is a benefit to those who are in the faith. You can live in this life, in this vapor and still finish well and die well with the peace of God that comes and be confident in eternal life in Jesus Christ. When it all comes down to that and you know you're dying, you can't fake it. You can't fake that. You're getting ready to die. There must be something on the inside of that little lady that's different than anything else the world has to offer. And it's just that, that she is no longer of the world, but she belongs to her father and her heart's been regenerated by the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God for that witness. But Christians can have confidence in eternal life. And something that I felt in my heart as I studied and prayed and prepared is I've heard a lot of chatter and I've had conversations with lots of people as of late in our church family. And, and I'm finding that COVID is a great choke point to go back on the timeline spiritually and study out what happened to the church. The church of Jesus Christ, the living, authentic church of Jesus Christ took a real hit during COVID. It was an attack of spiritual and physical uh, elements that we can't even describe. There were things that happened during COVID that it's hard to even imagine that's life. That feels like a separate lifetime ago when we were worried about should we even be around each other? We didn't even know what COVID was and we were taking the information we were being given by our government and making decisions to the best of our ability. And I, I've begun to hear many people say this. I, I started doubting my salvation when COVID happened. I started having issues with my faith that I've never had before or in a really, really long time since I was a teenager or a child when COVID happened. When I couldn't come to church and for 17 weeks we had to meet online and I couldn't be in the building. I couldn't be with people that I love. I couldn't go to my Sunday school class. I couldn't bring my teenagers to come to thrive and my children to come to the program. I, I started to struggle then. I have heard that countless times in ministry the past few years. And what I've begun to see and what the Lord's really helped us understand is that people who struggle with their salvation, people who doubt often whether they're in the faith, uh, really it comes down to their participation and their action on the day or the night that they got saved. It has to do with what they did, with what they said. And let me help you with something. When someone is truly saved, when someone comes into the faith, 
Uh, and I can say this from a personal testimony because I'm here tonight and I'm saved and on my way to heaven. And I remember the night I got saved. It was a Wednesday night. That man right there was preaching and God the Holy Ghost saved me. But let me help you with something. You had very little to do with your salvation. You had very little to do with the actions and the things that brought you to saving faith. It all comes back often, folks that are doubting and struggling with what I did and what I said. And here's what you have to understand. God does the drawing. He does the eye opening and he does the regeneration. He does the saving. And he even does it at his perfect time for his glory. That's all God's business. Remember, we talked about it Sunday. We were dead in trespass and sin. We were dead men and dead women spiritually. We had nothing to offer ourselves. We couldn't do our own spiritual CPR. So let me help you with that and understand that you had very little to do with the day or the night that you got saved. And God has really had us on that thought as of late many, many times over the past few months. And people who doubt their salvation or worry if what they did was enough must know that that's exactly how Satan operates. You hear me now. That's exactly how Satan operates. He operates in fear and he operates in confusion. He wants to point out the things that you did or didn't do the day you got saved. And he will never point to the things that God did because he cannot lay one slimy, grimy finger on what God the Holy Ghost did. Satan will always point out what you did. Well, you didn't pray loud enough. Well, you didn't really cry a whole lot when you got saved. Well, you didn't really mean it in your heart because of X, Y, and Z. And, and you didn't sign the card after the preacher asked for everybody who got saved that night. And, and you wanted to be proud of what the Lord had done. And you didn't do it, so you're not saved. Let me help you with something. I believe this is my testimony. Oh, I'm getting ready to coin one of your phrases. This is Winstonology. I believe the night I got saved... That the moment, listen to me, I was on the right-hand side in the second row. The media team's going crazy right now. Let me help you with something. Let's be visual tonight. Sitting right here. I believe that the night I got saved and the Holy Ghost was dealing with me and he was drawing me and wooing me, I believe the moment I stood up and took the first step towards the altar, something was different that very moment. And I'll tell you what was different. God, the Holy Ghost, drew me, saved me, and changed me. It wasn't in what I said, David. It wasn't in what I had done. It wasn't in all the things I could say. It wasn't all the sins that I could confess. By faith, I stood up and I went towards Jesus. Maybe that'll help someone who's struggling tonight with their salvation. You had very little to do with it. It's a holy transaction from God. He does it. If you're saved, if you're in the faith... Here's what I believe that scripture teaches clearly. That old things pass away. And behold, all things become new. Brother Ken, one of the greatest evidences in my life of the night I got saved is not that I have been perfect because I haven't been. Are there days even after I got saved that I wish I could take back? Yeah, let me help you with something. 11 years of days. And we as humans, we allow things here. We love this word, church hurt. I'm not saying you can't be hurt at church. We're all people. 
That was my pitiful excuse. God the Holy Ghost had saved me, given me an opportunity to do great things for the Lord and be loved by God's people. And my excuse was, well, church hurt. I can't trust people. And if you're not careful, human emotion will rob you of the greatest confidence that God gave you. People are people. They will hurt you. They will step on your toes. There'll be differences of opinion. I say this all the time, but Pastor Nathan doesn't like cheese on his hamburger. I think that's crazy. But I love him anyway. And I believe with all my heart he got saved when he was five years old with his mom and dad at home because there's evidence that God changed his heart. I don't crave the things I used to crave as much as I crave now the presence of God. There's a hunger to want to be different. There's a desire for things that I never could desire within my own self. I never wanted to hear Bible preaching. I never wanted to read scripture and study and prepare until God the Holy Ghost saved me. Lost people do not hunger for the word of God. Lost people do not hunger to be in God's presence. Praise God, I'm a different creature in Christ. And see, there is a great contrast in Christians and lost people. It's a great contrast. And it's not for us, again, we've said this multiple times the last few months, it's not just about us being right. It's about us being right with the right mindset and the right attitude. There are great contrasts between people who are saved and people who are lost. Four of them that come to my mind, it's in our language and it's in what we're, what we're willing to do in our relationships. A lost person has a really, really hard time looking at someone who they do not know well or who they do not have a relationship with and saying, I love you and mean it. But the truth is when two Christians who bear the same witness of the same spirit that lives on the inside of them, I can go all the way to Africa or South Korea and I can get off the plane and the spirit that lives on the inside of me, Michael, will find the spirit that lives on the inside of someone else. And within just a few minutes of conversation, something that they say about God, something that they quote about scripture, something about just being with them, I can look at them in the face and with all sincerity of heart say, Man, I sure do love you in the Lord. Lost people have a hard time saying that. They don't understand that kind of love. And when you look at someone who's struggling, you look at someone who's close to that edge, that shore of being uh, saved. They're, they're that close. They're in the birthing canal, if you will. And they're that close to coming to faith. And you look at them and you say, boy, we sure do love you and we're praying for you. It'll almost make them squirm. It'll almost, uh, What? You want me? I love you. I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God touches you. Lost people have a hard time palating that. Uh, the second thing that I find in contrast is a saved person will be the first one to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lost people have a hard time letting go and saying, I'm sorry. And it goes back to what we've preached even this past Sunday and the week before. We have to live our lives as Christians with uh, the fact that we were who we were before Christ. It gives us that passion. It gives us that compassion. And it gives us that love. Christians are the first to say, I'm to blame. I, I, it's on me. Even if I'm wrong or even if I'm right, be able to look at someone and say, you know what? It's my fault. I'm sorry. And then lastly, one of the greatest markers of Christians and living as a Christian, and so much of 1 John 5 and the chapters before prove this, but Christians will be the first to look at someone and say, hey, would you forgive me? 
Would you forgive me for what I've done? Again, it's not about being right. It's about being the witness, the testimony for Christ. And Christians that love the Lord know that they can't live up to the tall order. Be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I know, Brother Saeed, that I will never reach in this life sinless perfection. I'm I'm aware of that. I'm going to do my dead level best to head towards that. I want my list of sins to be shorter and shorter as I grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And growing in that grace and growing in that knowledge with that confidence, it all has to come together now. Growing in the grace and growing in the knowledge with that confidence will always keep you hungry and humble. Always. Hungering for more of who God is and less of who you are. And uh, always humble in the fact that you could be in a different place and a different disposition. But God in grace and mercy loved you enough to save you right where you are. Now, we can have that confidence in eternal life. It's 7.36. I better not go to the next one. It's about 48 minutes worth. And you don't, y'all don't want to stay that late. But here's what we can say. Could you imagine living in 2023? Could you imagine being a parent, a grandparent in this life in the United States of America and not wake up every day with the confidence of eternal life? Could you imagine waking up every day and wondering, I wonder what's out there. I wonder if there is life after death. I wonder if there really is a God. If you're in the faith tonight, you know the answers to all those questions. There are many people that we love, many people we care about, people we work with, people we go to school with, maybe even some people we go to church with may never have experienced saving faith and they're still grasping and still looking for that confidence as it pertains to eternity. I say this, thank you, Lord Jesus, for my salvation. Thank you for opening my eyes and letting me see you clearly for who you are and for what you are and for saving me right where I was. I didn't have to get cleaned up to come to Jesus. My granddaddy didn't hand me a list of things I had to go do before I came to Christ that Wednesday night. I simply came and believed on his name. And he did the rest. Praise the Lord. How many here tonight, every head bowed and every eye closed as we pray and head to the house. We've got to go get the kids and head home. But how many here tonight would say, Pastor, there is someone I love, someone I care about, maybe even a child or a daughter, a son, a grandson, a granddaughter, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, a boss at work, somebody you care about that you're concerned about their eternity and where they would spend it. Would you just raise your hand? There's somebody on your heart. Yeah, most hands are up in the building tonight. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close and we're going to thank God for his word and what we've read tonight. We're going to thank him for our salvation. And then lastly, I want us to really, really pray that God would give us a burden and a hunger to pray for those that are lost, that we love, that we care about. Listen to me, church. We can plan, we can program, we could have $4 billion in the bank. But if God's people do not pray, if we don't allow the word of God to germinate in our lives, we're missing the mark. We have an opportunity to pray tonight for those that are lost, and that's my burden as we close out tonight. Granddaddy, would you grab a mic? Let me hand it to you. I want you to lead this prayer as we go. If you want to come to the altar and pray, if we've got the time, if you don't need to leave urgently, why don't you come find a place in this altar and pray for that person. You know, play some music softly as he prays. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence tonight acknowledging our desperate need. 
We realize tonight that we cannot redeem ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot keep ourselves. And Lord, for those that we love and those that we care about that are outside the fold, they're not in faith, they don't believe the word and they don't believe the truth of eternity, just as we were helpless to redeem and save ourselves, we're helpless to redeem and to help them. I pray, God, tonight you would do for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. God, as your word has been preached tonight, confident Christianity, that we can have the confidence of where we'll spend eternity. And God, tonight we put our hope our faith and our trust in the written word of God. God, where you declared in your word, if we'd call upon you in faith believing, you would save us, you would redeem us. It's not our works. It's not the length of our prayer. It's not the sound of our prayer. It's not the mechanics or the methodology that we go through, but it's that heart that surrendered, the heart that stepped out by faith. I believe you. I trust you. I'm casting all of my care upon you because of my desperate situation. God, in that faith and in that prayer and in that truth, we hold on. And we agree corporately, collectively tonight as a family, as a church, we're going to pray unified. God, for the individuals that you laid on our heart, we saw their face when pastor asked, do you have someone you love? That's outside. They're not in the camp. They're not in the faith. Lord, if you were to come tonight, we would beg you in wrath, remember mercy. So God, would you send the Holy Spirit to speak to them, convict them, convince them. God, if you would take sleep from them, take joy from them, make them miserable, God. God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, save their soul. God, get a hold of them. God, heal that marriage. Find that prodigal son. Find that prodigal daughter. God, get a hold of that parent. Get a hold of that son, that granddaughter. God, the one they're burdened over tonight. God, we ask you to seek that lost lamb tonight. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor. God, I pray for our pastor tonight. You would strengthen him, encourage him, embolden him. God, nourish him. God, feed him from your word. Give him the word that we need to hear. And God, will carefully give you the glory and the honor for what you're doing in our church and among our people. Bless our children. Bless our teenagers. Bless our singles. And unite us with plan and purpose to lift up the name of Jesus to a gainsaying world. And we'll thank you in the mighty name of your darling son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. amen.